The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. What if God answered the prayers you pray? Would those answered prayers make any difference 50 years, 100 years from now? I mean, if, if your food was blessed, would anybody notice 100 years from now? If um, you had safe travels to or from vacation or wherever it is you're going, and you know, we pray, God, would you get us there safe? Would you protect our car you know, on this flight? Would you keep us safe? Like, would that matter 50 years from now? Think about the kind of prayers you pray regularly. When you pray, what do you pray? And if God answered those prayers, would it matter? Would it matter a generation from now? And so I just kind of want you to pause and think because most of the time, the kind of prayers we pray match the kind of life we live. It's me-focused. It's focused on our comfort, us feeling good or feeling better. I think about even the prayers I, I pray with my kids when they're going to bed and I, God, may give us sweet dreams, help us to sleep really well, help us to wake up refreshed, right? But the truth is, I don't know, like, what difference does that make? What if we didn't sleep good at night? What if we didn't have great dreams? What if we didn't wake up feeling refreshed? What if we were tired the next day? Like, meaning, like, would the answers to those prayers really make a difference long-term? Do we ever pray the kind of prayers that last beyond our own comfort, our own uh, feeling good or our family feeling good or those that we care about having a good experience? Almost like, I mean, I'm, I'm asking like a hard question, right? Like, what if we prayed for someone to be healed or live longer and God answered those prayers? Like, does it last beyond their life or our life? Does it last beyond this generation? So you think 50 years, 100 years from now, right? Those are like generations have passed. Like when nobody remembers your name, when nobody remembers your kids' names, will the prayers we prayed have mattered? Don't get me wrong. So I want to be really careful here. As I'm I'm even preaching this sermon, I I want to put a caution here because I'm not telling you to pray uh, those small prayers, right? Like, what is small? I'm not saying that God doesn't want to hear your little requests. He does. He's a loving father who leans in the moment we turn our attention to him. So by all means, Pray that you sleep good. Pray that you, you have sweet dreams. Pray for your kids, for your family. Pray that things go well. Pray for a safe drive. Pray that the tires don't wear out. Pray that that gallon of gas gets you further. Absolutely. Pray, pray the things that are on your heart. God desires to hear the things that are on your heart. He wants to hear your concerns. He wants you to pray for the little things. Why? Because God cares about us and he cares about the things that matter in our heart because God wants relationship with us. So by all means, there, I wanna say this, there are no like small prayers or no little things that don't matter to God. God leans in, God hears, God cares, and God wants to answer those prayers that might not matter to everyone else, but they matter to you. But here's what I know. Part of the reason that God wants to answer those prayers 
is that he can show you that he's listening and that he hears and that what you pray matters and that God answers those kind of prayers so that you would begin to trust him with bigger things. You begin to trust him with things that really do matter beyond this moment, beyond our comforts, beyond our physical healing. And we begin to imagine the kind of prayers that God imagines us praying. And so with that, I want want you to kind of shift gears with me. I I want you to begin to imagine praying prayers that could matter not just 50 years or 100 years from now, but I want you to imagine praying sequoia seed prayers. Now, I, I, I love the picture of the sequoia seed, because, and so I, I've used it in the past, and so I hope you just kind of bear with me for a moment. Here's the thing. Uh, so this isn't a sequoia seed. This is actually a sequoia cone, and in here, there are actually uh, more than like 1,000 sequoia seeds, And the sequoia cone is rock hard. Um, And the sequoia seeds don't just come out. Actually, the only way they come out is when they're released as a result of fire. So imagine this on the ground in a forest. And the the only way that the seeds fall out is a forest fire burns through. This is true. Only released through a forest fire. The, The forest fire softens the sequoia cone. Then after the fire passes, the seeds emerge from the softened cone. They fall onto the fertile ash that's left after the fire. And then those tiny seeds get a head start. So the seeds in this cone are actually about the size of a tomato seed. And uh, they fall onto the fertile ash and they begin to grow and they get a head start. They get a jump start on all the other vegetation. And so they begin to grow and they, and they grow both roots and then obviously the, this little tiny sequoia seedling begins to grow. And, and uh, the, the, that's just how the sequoia trees emerge. But the, what I really want you to take note of is this. The, nobody notices a sequoia seedling or hardly anyone does. No one really notices a sequoia tree that's 50, even 100 years old, because there's a lot of trees that are 50, 100 years old. No, you know what we notice? We notice sequoias because there are some sequoias that are 1,500 years old or 2,000 years old, and they're 40 feet wide and hundreds of feet tall. No one knows the moment when that sequoia seed was planted begin to germinate. No one was paying attention 2,000 years ago when a little tiny sequoia began to grow up or even 20 years later as that thing began to grow. No, what we pay attention to is the fact that there are seed, there were seeds planted 1,500 or 2,000 years ago that still matter today. I want you to pray the kind of prayers that are, that are released in the fire of life. They're released through hardship and difficulty. They're planted in the fertile ash of pain and suffering. And those kind of seeds, they last. They they make a difference beyond the moment when someone prayed them. In fact, no one knows who prayed those prayers. No one knows the circumstances with which they were planted, but they can see the impact 
of those planted seeds. They can see the impact of those prayers prayed a generation, 10 generations ago. They can, they can see the impact and feel the impact of a prayer prayed, you know, 2,000 years ago. So how do you pray those kind of prayers? Well, let me introduce you to a guy who prayed a prayer that we still experience the impact of today. It's a story of a guy named David. He was, he was um, the, the youngest of the sons of the family, of the father, Jesse. One day, the, the prophet Samuel comes to his house and selects him out of all of his brothers, of his seven brothers, so he's the youngest, the eighth, and he's chosen to be the next king of the nation of Israel. He's anointed to be the king. And then he goes and um, under the, king, under the rule, rule of King Saul, David joins a fight and he actually kills the giant Goliath. From that point, he becomes a warrior and a leader in the, in the army, the nation of Israel. But eventually Saul becomes jealous of David because he fears that he's gonna take over the throne. And so David begins to run for his life for years. Eventually, King Saul is killed along with his sons in a battle. And at that point, David begins to rise to the throne. And 20 years after he was promised that he would become the king of Israel, he actually becomes the king of this nation. And so now David is king and he's beginning to rule his kingdom and, and, and his kingdom begins to spread as he wins battle after battle. He gets victory over his different enemies. Eventually, one of his enemies, uh, the Jebusites, who are centered in this city, uh, after he conquers them, he establishes his capital in the city of Jerusalem. After he defeats this enemy, he takes over their city. And he's like, this is going to be my city. In fact, to this day, the city of Jerusalem is called the city of David. David builds a palace there. And after he builds his palace, he begins to think, where is God in all of this? I mean, God gave me the throne. God gave me this kingdom. And here I am building a place for my name. Where is God's name? Here I have built myself a palace, but what have I built for God? And so he, in his heart, he begins to imagine, where is God in all of my building and all of my conquering, all of my efforts? Where, where have I brought God in all this? I mean, what would last after I'm gone. So what, what, what he's counting on is that even after I'm gone, this city will still be a city named after me, right? And it's true, it is still referred to as the city of David. David still has a prominent place in the city of Jerusalem. In fact, if you go to Jerusalem, they still have a place where they say, this is where David is buried. This is a site of, of David's burial, or, and they still have statutes uh, erected to David, but what difference does that make even? David wondered. And so he, he thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna, I'm, gonna build a, I'm gonna build a palace, a temple for God. And so he has this prayer, God, I wanna build you something. And so I'm gonna jump into that story. It's found in the book of 2 Samuel chapter seven. So after it says this, um, that David kind of offers this prayer, God, I wanna build you a palace. I wanna build you a temple. And so the 
prophet of that time comes back to David. And so we can read this. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, meaning this is the answer to your prayer. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut down all of your enemies from before you. He's saying, everything you thought you were doing, I was doing through you. I was giving you victory. I was building your kingdom. Now, I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. You, you think you're going to make my name great? I'm going to make your name great. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I mean, when you're no more, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. And so there's kind of this moment where God's saying, okay, finally your heart and your attention has turned to me. Well, here's the thing. You want to build a place for my name? I'm going to build your name. I'm going to make your name last generations. You want to build a house for me? I'm going to build your house forever. It's this important moment because David's heart, when it turned to God, God didn't just answer that prayer. God caused that prayer to last, not just generations, not just fast forward all the way to today, but forever. So here's the key challenge. Pray prayers that matter forever. Not just prayers that last forever, but that matter forever. David had a heart to build something for God, but God wanted to build something through David that would last forever. And that that heart shift happens in prayer. But we don't build things that last forever. No, in fact, you know what happens? Um, we, we, we at best build things that make a name for ourselves. And that's what most of us are trying to do, aren't we? Make a name for ourselves, And maybe our name will last a generation or a couple of generations. Maybe you have a last name that's been passed down for a couple hundred years. But eventually, whoever started that name, they're forgotten. And so what is it about us that lasts? Well, here's the reason why what, who we are and what we do is so temporary. Because you and I live a life sabotaged from eternity. We were meant to be eternal. And there's something eternal inside of us. And there's a, there's a drive in us to matter forever. But sin separated us from what matters forever. Sin separates us from relationship with God. And this part of us that was meant to matter forever and last for eternity is set up for an eternal ruin. Sin separating us from relationship with God, causing us to push away from God's best for our lives, causes us to settle for something less the temporary, this moment, our comfort, our desires, our own kingdom. And so we go through life headed toward an, uh, an eternity without God. But God, God intervenes in our story. And, and the moment we, we turn to God, what's really happening is by faith, we say, God, help. God intervenes. And so God was already at work in David's life. And so there, there's this moment. God's responding to David and saying, oh, you want to build something for me? I'm going to build 
you a name that will last forever, and I'm going to build my kingdom through you. And in fact, he says this, your son, he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. What was God promising? It was this. He was saying, David, I appreciate that you want to build a house for me, but it's going to be your son that's going to build a house for me, not you. But the house that he builds is, is not going to last. In fact, in 586 BC, the Babylonians came in and conquered the city of Jerusalem and devastated uh, the temple. They tore the temple down. The temple didn't even last. 70 AD, um, the city of Jerusalem is burned and destroyed. It didn't last. They had to rebuild it. So what lasts? What's this eternal kingdom that God is referring to? It's not a kingdom that's built physically, but personally in the human heart. How is that built? Well, through, Sol through, through David, through Solomon, eventually what would come is not just a temple, right? Through David, through his children, is going to come the Messiah. And through the Messiah, Jesus he would build a kingdom of faith. Jesus died on a cross to forgive us of our sins, to, to conquer this sin curse that leaves us living only a temporary life set up for a forever ruin. He intervened in our story by taking on our sin, our shame, and our guilt. He died in our place to give us life and forever life. God's kingdom being planted in us that begins to grow through us. And so what, what I want to do is I want to invite you. The, the first key prayer we pray is a prayer of faith in Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I don't want to live my life temporarily and then go into an eternity without you. So Jesus, I give my life to you. Maybe that's where you're at right now, ready to say yes to Jesus by faith, asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to give you new and forever life. Can I encourage you? Would you say yes to Jesus right now? And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? You can let us know by scanning that QR code that's on the screen and just responding, fill out that card and let us know. One of our pastors will follow up with you if you fill out that card uh, that's on that link. We just wanna celebrate with you as you begin this new journey in relationship with Jesus. A, a, a relationship that builds in you eternity, a life that lasts forever. But I want to invite you not just to live a life that lasts forever through faith in Jesus, but now begin to pray the kind of prayers that matter forever. Remember, prayer, prayer is possible through faith in Jesus. Prayer is about relationship with God. So yes, you can pray. Pray small prayers. Pray little prayer, prayers. Pray prayers that no one else would even care about, but it matters to you absolutely. You're invited into relationship with God through faith in Jesus. But once in a while, every once in a while, pause. Begin to pray prayers that would matter forever. Pray, pray sequoia seed prayers. Plant things in prayer that no one will notice right now. But if God answers, and those prayers fall on the fertile ash of suffering and pain and difficulties around us, and they begin to grow, they would grow up into something that would last beyond generations, that others may not know who planted that prayer seed, but boy, now it's a sequoia that towers high 
above the life that's going on around it. I want to invite you into this kind of a prayer life. So David's response is this, and now Lord God, Keep forever the promise you made concerning your servant and his house and do as you promised so that your name will be great forever. God, do it. Do it in me. Build your name in my life and in my family's life. Would you make your name great forever through us? Then people will say, the Lord Almighty is God over Israel and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. I mean, what makes my life matter is that my life pointed to your name. What you're doing in me makes you great around us. This is, it's very similar to the prayer Jesus taught his followers to pray. Uh, in Matthew chapter six, you have what's called the Lord's Prayer, but it's not really the way Jesus prayed. It's the way he taught us to pray. To pray. And in that, he said this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what prayer does? Prayer flips our focus from our kingdom to God's eternal kingdom. Prayer. When you spend time in prayer, eventually you begin to shift from praying for your own comforts, from things that make you feel better or you feel good, and you begin to, prayer invites the heart of God into our hearts, and as we begin to pray, it shifts from what we want to what God wants, and, we, and it begins to flip our focus from building our kingdom, meaning our name, our life, our comforts, our wealth, whatever it is that we think matters, and it begins to flip our focus to what God says matters. It begins to flip our focus from our kingdom to God's eternal kingdom. This is what was going on in David. David begins to go, oh, wow, I thought I was going to build something for God, but God says he wants to build something through me. I, I thought that I could build a house for God, but God's saying, I want to build my house through you. I, you, you thought, in essence, David thought God was helping build my kingdom. And God's saying, no, I want to build my kingdom through you. And my kingdom lasts forever. So when you pray, he, so you, you might be going, okay, Patrick, can you make this practical for me? Sure. Pray the kind of prayers that are a flipping of the focus from what you think matters to what God says matters. Shifting from God, would you build what I want to God, I want to pray for you to build what you want. So let's say you started to think big. God, I'm going to begin to pray for my community. I'm going to begin to pray for my city. I'm going to begin to pray for my nation. Well, when we begin to pray for our nation, often we begin to pray our politics to God. We're asking God to build our kingdom, what we think is best. But imagine you flipped your focus and you said, God, I trust that you will build what you see as 
best, right? You flip the focus, right? God's kingdom is wherever God rules as king. Jesus didn't come to build a political kingdom. He came to build a kingdom that is personal. It's growing invisibly in our hearts, and it spreads from heart to heart. It spreads from church to church, from city to city, from neighbor to neighbor, right? It's an eternal kingdom that is growing invisibly like a sequoia seed that as it begins to grow, no one really notices until it towers above everything else that matters. And so we pray the kind of prayers, God, I want in my nation for you to rule as king. What would it look like, God, for you to legislate over the legislators? God, I know that what matters to you is that you want to see um, the weak defended the poor cared for, those that have experienced injustice to gain justice. God, I know that what you desire is forgiveness to rule. God, for, for grace to prosper, for mercy to become the message of our land. God, I'm asking that in the hearts of the leaders of our nation. I don't care who the leaders are. Would your kingdom begin to grow inside of them? God, would you plant seeds of your kingdom in them? God, would you plant seeds of your purposes and your desires? And God can use the godly and the wicked. God can accomplish his purposes through those that serve him and those that don't. And so I'm praying, God, would you build your your kingdom invisibly in my nation. Use anyone and everyone to accomplish your purposes and would your purposes prevail. God, would you build your kingdom invisibly in me so that it would spread through me. In fact, that's the second part of that, right? Prayer invites God to build his kingdom in us and then build it through us. We're saying, God, would you do what only you can do? When Jesus said, your king, to taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, what he was saying was this, God, would what you've already legislated and set in motion in heaven be accomplished here in the here and the now. God, what, is, what your kingdom is gonna look like in eternity, I pray that it would be reflected in my community. I pray that what, what it's going to look like to have God rule as king in heaven would become present in the here and now. And God, would you start it in me? Would, would you start by allowing your kingdom of forgiveness and grace and kindness and compassion and love and mercy and patience and hope and healing and forgiveness? Would you, would you cause that to grow in me so that it can spread from me to others? Let me, let me show you the difference, right? If we're praying for God's kingdom, we're praying for something that will last forever. And the seeds of prayer planted for eternity begin to germinate in my own heart and begin to spread from my heart to others. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how great you pray for yourself. Think about this, right? The first Persian empire, 550 B.C., ruled by Cyrus the Great. He, others called him the king of kings. Pretty sure that term should only be used for one king, Jesus. 550 B.C., 
Well, 330 BC, he's conquered by Alexander the Great, right, of the Macedon Empire. The, 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 the Greek Empire called Macedon spreads Alexander the Great. Now he's the dominant ruling leader of, or empire of the, of the globe, right? Like this is a huge dominant empire. But that only lasted about 300 years. And that empire falls, right? And now you've got the rise of the Roman Empire, Roman Empire lasts about 500 years, and it begins to crumble. You have the rise of the Byzantine Empire, lasts about 1,000 years until it falls to the Ottomans. And now you have the Ottoman Empire, which then crumbles. The Ottoman Empire lasts several hundred years, but eventually, you know, uh, World War I, and the Ottoman Empire is crushed. Whether, whether what we're building is going to last 200 years like the Persian Empire or 300 years like the, like the rule of the, the empire that Alexander the Great built, the Macedon Empire, the Greek Empire, or it lasts 500 years like the Romans or the, maybe the Byzantines or the Ottomans, it will fall, right? Every king and every kingdom, every economy, every business, every family eventually falls if it's about us. If it's about me, but when you and I begin to pray, God, your will be done. Your purpose is accomplished, right? In, in Jesus' model prayer, he says this, as he, as he invites us to end this prayer, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God, what I want is for your kingdom to come in my life. Would you do it in me? And would you do it through me? Would you do it in my family? Would you do it in my workplace? Would you do it in my neighborhood? God, would you build your kingdom in my classroom, in my school? Would you build your kingdom in my workplace? Would you turn it from me having more to me giving more to your kingdom? For, would you turn it from me doing more so I can get more to God? You doing more in me so you can do more through me so you can build your kingdom so that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. It is in heaven because God for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever the only thing that will matter God is what's done for you the only thing that will last is what gives you glory not what gives Cyrus the great glory not what gives Alexander the great glory not what gives Caesar glory or any other king or kingdom glory the only thing that will last and the only thing that will matter forever is what gives God glory and your life and my life exist to make much of God to share and show the love of God with those that are far from him Live your life and pray your life in such a way that you are building God's kingdom and you're spreading God's glory for his name and his fame and his reign in our life, in our home, in our community, and in our generation so that generations from now will still know the name, the reign, and the fame of Jesus Christ, who is the king above every kings. And so would you, what I'm really doing is this, I want to pray for God to plant a heart of prayer in you and shift or flip your focus from praying 
praying for yourself to praying for God's kingdom, to praying for your kingdom, to praying for God's eternal kingdom to spread in and through you and me, in and through Lifehouse, right? Because it's not about the name Lifehouse, but about making much of the name of Jesus in his church and seeing his church spread beyond our community to cities and communities far beyond this area. Would you allow me to pray with you? Heavenly Father, thank you that um, you even notice us. I mean, empires rise and fall. Kings and kingdoms rise and fall. Rulers are forgotten. Entire empires wiped off the face of the earth. And yet, God, who is man that you are mindful of us, that you lean in and you notice us the moment we turn our attention to you? God, thank you that you hear every cry of our heart, that every little prayer we pray matters to you. But God, would you plant in our hearts sequoia seed kind of prayers the heart to pray God for your kingdom not our kingdom and for your kingdom to begin to grow in us so that it can grow through us would you do it again like you've done it before God would you put seeds of revival seeds of forgiveness seeds of selflessness in our heart seeds of generosity seeds of servant heartedness so that God what grows in us would grow through us and transform our community our city, our state, our nation, and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.